I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer. And today is another video in our series entitled Perspectives on a Transitioning Market. And Shelly Schmitz and I are joined today by Brad Isler. Brad, uh, Brad is an inspector. I'm sorry, I almost didn't tell you that. Brad is a home inspector. And I am so grateful to you for joining us today. I think we all have a lot to learn about the home inspection process not even just as it relates to a transitioning market, but generally the value of a home inspection. And so I'm looking forward to that. But Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get started. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. As you mentioned, my name is Brad Isler. My company is Veteran Inspection Pros. I am a certified master inspector. I've been doing this uh, going on nine years. I have over 2,400 inspections under my belt. I love what I do. Great. Well, thank you for being here today to, to share your trade and your passion. So I really do think that a lot of this video is going to focus on inspections, the process of inspections generally, not so much in a transitioning market. But I do think that there's one piece of information that is really important to the transitioning market component of this video series. And, and that is that for the last you know, evolving 10 years, it wasn't so much 10 years ago, but certainly a lot in the last two or three years, we've seen numerous transactions where buyers are so desperate to purchase in a multiple offer scenario where they purchase without an inspection contingency. And this transitioning market where it's still, as Shelly has characterized over and over, it's still a seller's market, but buyers have more power in this market than they did a year or more ago. In this transitioning market, I think this is a really good time for us as an industry to remember the value of what used to be absolutely commonplace in every transaction, and that is the value of incorporating an inspection in every single transaction, which, Shelley, that means we include a Form 35 inspection contingency addendum in every single transaction, right? And that is huge. So when you include that, do read through it, know how to use it, and then you, you, you will be using the Form 35R and, and all the rules there and how to use that. And if you're not sure, please reach out. There's your designated broker, your managing broker, other brokers. Uh, the hotline library. Hotline library. I, I answer has questions weekly. two or three times a day regarding and, Form 35 and Form 35R. And it's, it's so huge. It's one of our, our biggest contingencies and it has so much value to, to the buyer. Yeah, I agree with you. So, so why is that? That's where Brad comes in. Brad, what do you see as the value? Give us some bullet points about what you as an inspector can do to make a buyer's life better. Definitely. Well, I like to think besides the broker, my role is one of the most important roles in the process. Uh, a home inspection is so important on so many levels. First, home inspectors and the inspection itself can uncover issues that if left unaddressed could lead to extensive damage and costly repairs. But if it's identified early enough, it could be a simple and cost-effective repair. So. That would be the first thing. Second. So you help buyers identify something that's not expensive right now, left unattended, 
like make a leaky faucet, right? Exactly. You can replace sure. a leaky faucet, solve the problem, but if you don't, you're going to have rot in the wall space. Sure. Okay. Leaky drains, things like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, furthermore, it could, uh, home inspection could also identify extensive damage currently that is going to be a costly repair. And without the home inspection, you wouldn't know that. So something that's not visible or not ob obvious to a, a, a layperson buyer viewing the home, you're going to pick it out and say, this is going to cost you $10,000 after closing if you don't get this fixed now. Well, obviously, I would never say what it's going to cost, there but okay, I will identify that. it as an issue that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. Right. And okay. in, talk, in speaking to the client, I would always emphasize that this should be addressed sooner rather than later. Okay. Furthermore, uh, home inspection can also identify potential health and safety hazards that oftentimes will be simple to fix, but uh, again, without a home inspection, you might not know until it's too late. Uh, for instance, um, exposed live wires. That's a simple fix, uh, but it could lead to electric electrocution. Uh, loose deck railing could be a, a, yeah. a safety hazard, a real issue. But again, easy fixes, but you might not know until it's too late. Yeah. So those are all great reasons to have a home inspection. Okay, I agree. What besides, so when you do the home inspection, very, very broad categories. What what are you inspecting? You're inspecting, do you do a roof? Do you inspect the roof? Yeah, of course. Okay. I pretty much inspect everything. I mean, I start on the exterior. I'm looking at not only the exterior of the house and all the accompanying systems like siding, windows, doors, things like that, but also the grading around the house. We want to make sure it's graded properly. So especially up here in the Pacific Northwest, we want to make sure water is going to be diverted away from the structure as much as we can determine upon a visual inspection. Uh, going up and then hopping up on the roof, checking out the roof. I'll walk the entire roof as long as I can get to it. Okay. Checking out the chimney, if there is one, um, and the gutters. Okay. Uh, do a really extensive okay. thorough inspection. And that's typical of your industry, right? Yes. Most home inspectors are going to check all of that. Yes, and that's all in the Washington State Standard Operating Procedure for Home Inspection. Okay. What systems are on property from time to time that aren't covered by your inspection where you might think there would be need for an additional inspection or an ancillary type of inspection? Well, I am not a septic inspector. I do offer sewer scopes, but that would be a little bit different. Um, so you might want, if your home is on septic, uh, the home you're trying to buy is on septic, then you would want to arrange a septic inspection. Even if you want a sewer scope, you've got to ask for that separately in the forms, in the in the real estate purchase and sale forms. Right. But do you think that would be important? I think sewer scope is always important. Always. I mean, any, to be honest, any ancillary testing is always of value. You know, knowledge is power. Knowing the condition of what is for most people the biggest investment of their lives it is great and it's a small price to pay too what about know. a pest inspection pest inspection is always good i do uh you know i look for evidence of pests and rodents um, i don't do wood destroying organism inspections some inspectors do uh, but it's definitely a consideration okay all right 
ask a question. What are your thoughts on radon? Like, you know, we, we have it in our forms that they can do a radon test. Um, is that something that you would recommend in most cases? Well, again, I would never tell anybody not to do a certain inspection because, and I think we've spoken before and, you know, you mentioned, you know, every, every bit of information is valuable. So, again, I would, I would always recommend it. It gives you, a, um, it gives you a, a brief summary of what the radon levels are in the house. People want to know what they're breathing you know, especially where you're spending most of your time. Um, and the EPA has determined that radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States. Hmm. That being said, uh, radon varies seasonally and it varies with the weather, air so pressure. It varies geographically too, doesn't it? It does vary geographically, definitely. Okay. And when people ask me, uh, how's radon level, how are radon levels in this neighborhood? I will usually say, not only do I not know every single neighborhood and what the levels are, however, one house could have elevated levels of radon and the next house could be fine. Interesting, okay. It's, a, it's actually a gas that results in the breakdown of radium in the soil and it's lighter than so air. So if the buyer so. has concerns, get it tested. Yes, right? always. Okay. So <clears throat> ancillary testing, that's different than from bringing in follow-up contractors to give estimates of the cost of repairs. You just mentioned a minute ago, I don't give cost of repair estimates, right? Is that typical of inspectors? That is typical, yeah. We're not, you know, the cost of repairs vary so widely amongst contractors, especially these days um, with the demand for contractors, the lack of contractors, so they can charge more because they know they can as well as the cost and availability of materials. Mm -hmm. It's been fluctuating so wildly that those, those estimates can fluctuate as well. So I stay away from offering estimates. Okay, so Shelly then, I'm gonna to go to you. You know the soapbox I jump up on and say, brokers shouldn't fill out the, they, brokers shouldn't identify the work that needs to be done to solve the problems an inspector identifies. The only person who should be doing that is the contractor who's going to be asked to do the work, right? So that means we've got to get bids from contractors. This is different from the ancillary inspections. We've done the inspection. We've maybe even done some ancillary inspections. Now we know there's some work to be done. We need bids from contractors. And what Brad just said is exactly the pushback I hear from brokers all the time. They're, 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 we can't get a contractor in a fair amount of time in order to get a bid for to prepare our Form 35R. If they do come out to the house, they're gonna charge a fee to come out to the house. Um, I don't know any electricians or plumbers, so how can I refer an electrician or plumber? How, you're, you're, you managed 370 brokers, is that what you told me? Yeah. How do you solve this problem? So our firm has our own internal Facebook page, you know, private page, I guess it's called. Here I am using social media <laughs> lingo and I'm probably using it wrong. But you can go into our page and you can say, hey, I'm looking for an electrician. I'm looking for a roofer. And people say, here's suggestions. You know, they, they can give you names and numbers of people. And then as you are building... Okay, so wait a minute. So let's mm -hmm. stop there for one second. A firm doesn't have to have a Facebook no. page. 
one broker could ask a broker sitting at another desk, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so, so network, in other words, if Correct. within your firm, and if maybe you're a, a one a one person shop, then you're part of an association of realtors. You've got a local association. There's other people in the industry. Reach out, make those connections, get electrician names, plumber names, roofer names, whoever mm -hmm. it is, right? Build your database of contractors, you know, people that uh, you will be needing. And then, you know, w when you need some, you can call, hey, so-and-so referred uh, you to me. Um, I'm needing a roof bid um, at 123 Main Street, or they're an electrician and you're like, can you please come and look at the electrical panel? The uh, home inspector had some concerns. And be, be, be kind to them. Um, don't be like really demanding. Um, and then thank them. You may want to give them a little gift card or something afterwards. We don't want to be bribing anybody. I think that's no, like don't. illegal or something. And I so, like just let's send them a gift card. Yeah, I mean, I mean send them a thank you card. Yes, I'm sorry, send, send them, them a thank, thank you card. card. And then um, and refer business to them. When somebody asks you who are you using, give them their name and number. It's it's all just one big network. Um, and make sure they know that, right? Yep. And they they should know that. And since we're kind of talking about this, when you are getting the bid and you're attaching that, let's say to the 35R, asking the seller if they would do this repair per this bid using this contractor, if they start seeing business coming that way too, they are also probably going to be like, I would love to help you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a give and take take on both. So, What do you say to the buyer who says, $125 just to have them give me a bid? I don't want to pay $125 to get an electrical bid. So we hear that often, even with the cost of a home inspection. I don't want to pay for a home inspection. I don't want to pay, you know, $500 or whatever it is for the cost of this home inspection. I want to save money. That is not where to save your money <laughs> is with an inspection or with the bid. These are the professionals that are telling you about the property that you are going to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for and you are going to live with whatever is in this property you should know what you are buying and if there are repairs that need to happen now or in the future and this is not where we should skimp you wait for the coupons to buy your curtains and stuff that's where you can save your money but not with a home inspection or paying for a bid okay. it, it is money well spent right I agree. Um, the, oh shoot, it was there and then it was gone. Hmm. Well, maybe it will come back. Um, let's go ahead and move on since I've forgotten what I was going to say. Well, if I can expand yeah, on, go for on it, the please. contractor thing, um, I, some advice I might have for brokers is to have a list of contractors that you use often and upon a initial walkthrough of a property that you plan on that your client wants to put an offer in and maybe you know I know not there's not too many uh, brokers that are home inspectors so maybe I have unreal expectations but take a look around and if you notice the roof is in severe disrepair or the HVAC system is original to a 1950s house and it looks pretty ancient you might be able to predict that the home inspector yes. is going to 
call for a further evaluation and service by a licensed roofing contractor or a licensed HVAC contractor. And then before you submit that offer, you can call those people on your list and say, hey, I think I'm pretty sure the home inspector is going to call out this roof. Would you be able to save a spot for me and come check this out after the home inspection? Because they do tend to be booked out fairly well in advance. I, th I think that's so, so important. And, and you, you naturally view this through the lens of the home inspector. Even if the home inspector doesn't call out concern over the roof, if the buyer has concern over the roof, the buyer might sure. look at it and say, you know, it's only a five-year roof, but boy, my aunt bought a house, and let me tell you about the five-year-old roof on that house. It was a nightmare. Okay, you want to get that roof inspected? Let's get the roofing contractor lined up right now, right? Exactly. Or the buyer has concerns about any component. Get those contractors lined up as soon as you have mutual acceptance or even before if you're confident. You can always cancel the appointment, right? Mm -hmm. So I remembered what I was going to say. In different videos, Brad, not, not this one yet, but we're about to in this one. We've been describing so much of this of the real estate industry as a relationship business. Yes. And it sounds to me like what you're both describing is that even working with these contractors who are going to give us bids, that's based on relationships, right? What kind of relationship do you cultivate with these contractors? Do you cultivate a relationship with them that makes them want to help you and your future clients, right? Right. Or do you put build a relationship with them that makes them say, I am staying as far away from that broker and probably that whole firm as I can. Well, I like to think I have a pretty good working relationship with all the brokers I work with. And I've noticed in this shifting market that whereas many times in the previous market, they were waiving the inspection contingency. Now I'm getting calls saying, hey, I'm putting in an offer, but we're going to do a five-day inspection contingency. Oh. Can you save a spot for me? And I do, because good. I have that good working relationship. Exactly. That makes sense. That's a good, that's a good illustration of it. Okay. And again, in prior videos in this series, Shelly has talked a lot about setting expectations for buyers and sellers about what's going to happen in this process. Brad, help brokers learn through this video how they would educate buyer around what to expect from a home inspection. What can a home inspection do? What does a home inspection not do? Sure, that's a great question. And I do this in my verbal summary, but I think it's something uh, brokers can definitely prep their clients with that, you know, they're going to get a report. It's going to be lengthy. It's going to have a lot of information in there. So tell them not to be overwhelmed. And I always tell my clients, look, there's some issues that obviously need to be addressed sooner rather than later. But a lot of this stuff might go into a honeydew list and it's for your information. Um, so I think brokers can prep their clients by letting them know, look, try not to worry. Every house has issues. Every issue could be fixed, albeit some are more costly than others, but that's why we do this uh, before closing escrow and before the end of our inspection contingency. Um, but every house has issues and every issue can be fixed. Uh, you can try to prep your clients that it might be a little stressful um, and that you might need further inspections after the home inspection, again, or okay. further evaluation, like 
estimates and bids from appropriate contractors. Try not to get overwhelmed or uh, fatigued, inspection fatigue mm -hmm. uh, with that. So D Just letting the process wear them out where they say, no, I, I don't, I know you said I need a septic inspection. I don't want to do one more inspection. I'm done. You, brokers, you got to resist that, right? The, the, and the good thing, the good thing is, granted, they have to pay for it in most instances, but if they really don't want to participate in it, well, that's what the broker's there for, you know, and oftentimes I, I do inspections and if I'm calling the client directly, usually I'll call and introduce myself and tell them about the process and they ask me, do I have to be there for the whole thing? I say, you're not required to and as, in a, as a matter of fact, if you want to be there to take measurements and figure out where you're going to put furniture and walk around because, you know, besides the initial walkthrough at that point, the client hasn't had a lot of opportunity to explore the house. I say, you know, you do that, I'll be doing my inspection, I'll be crawl climbing on the roof, crawling in the attic and the crawl space, I'll be doing my thing, but I do a verbal summary at the end. So if you don't want to be there, try to be there for the last 30 minutes, and then I'll do a verbal summary with you, I'll show you where your, uh, your utility disconnects are, and I'll try to answer any questions you might have but oftentimes I'm just there with the broker. Yeah, and, and so I'm gonna run off of that really fast. Case law, recent case law, talking about where buyers are suing sellers post-closing based on the condition of the property or what the buyer considers disclosed material, disclosed uh, conditions within the, I'm sorry, undisclosed, but concealed conditions within the property. What the court, one of the things that the court looks at every single time in recent case law is buyer what kind of questions did you ask and of who and and when the inspector has done the inspection report and and discovers rot the court wants to see the buyer asking where is the rot how extensive is the rot what does it mean that there's rot there does that mean there's an ongoing water intrusion problem does it is it what does it mean what do i need to do and when the inspector says you need to have a contractor come out here and evaluate what the repair of this rot condition would be then that means, buyer, you've got to do that. Washington law is unequivocal on that. So thank you for bringing that point up. That's really important. So you got x-ray vision, Brad? Can you see what's between the walls? Not technically. I do have some tools that assist with that, like <laughs> infrared thermal imaging cameras. But no, okay. I cannot see what's in the walls. So what does a broker need to help a buyer understand that the while the inspection report is going to give you a lot of information, there's also some information you're just not going to get from an inspection report. What kind of information is that? Sure. So, well, a home inspection <laughs> is obviously just a, a visual snapshot in time. It's the condition of the home at the time I'm inspecting it. Inspectors do not open walls. We don't lift up flooring. So there are things that might not be visible, you know, especially uh, on a subfloor. A lot, oftentimes here in the Pacific Northwest, the subfloors are insulated. I'm not pulling down the insulation to, uh, you know, make sure there's no stains, things like that. Um, hopefully, if there are is an issue sometimes I see water dripping out and so mm -hmm. I know hey there's an issue above that um, but there are things we can't see like you said I don't have an uh, x-ray vision I do have a lot of great tools at my disposal though moisture meters and thermal Im imaging as an inspector do you do you approach a, an occupied house for different than a vacant house um, no I don't think so I mean obviously 
in an occupied house, there's going to be places I can't, more places I can't access. You know, there's a couch in front of some electrical receptacles that I can't get to. Um, so those aren't, those might not get tested. I'll try my best to reach, reach down and get it. Or sometimes there's a dresser blocking a window and I'm not gonna move a dresser uh, for just number one, I probably can't move a whole dresser by myself, but also I don't want to break anything. It right. doesn't belong to the client. I think I was thinking more about the vacant house, really, because what I hear sometimes from buyer brokers is it's a vacant house and the seller failed to get utilities turned back on or something oh, like sure. that. Is that ever a problem for you? Well, that's a great point. So with vacant houses, depending on how long they've been vacant, sometimes there could be issues just from them sitting. For instance, uh, if the plumbing hasn't been run in a few months, I've done an inspection where I go into a vacant house, turn on the bathtub upstairs, and then I go downstairs and it's leaking through the ceiling because sometimes the plumbing Not seals. because you overflowed the bathtub? No, no, <laughs> I would never do that. Um, but plumbing seals can fail. If they stay dry too long, they, they, um, they shrink, they crack. And so there are real consequences of leaving a house vacant and that can happen. Okay, good. So also, um, again, for, for my purposes as a home inspector, I mentioned uh, inspection is a snapshot in time. And sometimes things can happen in between my inspection and when the buyer takes possession. Mm. And, and that's unfortunate. You know, sometimes, uh, again, the house could go vacant. It wasn't vacant at the time of the inspection. And then it's vacant for a while before they actually move in and things can happen. Uh, sometimes I inspect homes where it's a rental and there's tenants living there and they might not be too happy with their current landlord or they might not be too happy it's about having to, to leave yeah. and they might leave some surprises mm -hmm. okay so we talked about setting the expectation for the buyer i two more things i want to cover help me set the expectation for the seller because we already we just mentioned you probably need to turn the utilities back on right and then I, before we're, we finish i want you to re, i want you to visit the, the issue of re-inspecting Sure. After work has been done. But before we do that, let's talk about the sellers. Listing brokers, dealing with sellers. We've just talked about what the expectations are that buyer brokers need to create for buyers. Listing brokers, what does your seller need to know before buyer's inspector comes through the house? Well, what I would like all <laughs> listing brokers to let their clients know is to make sure every area that I need to get to is accessible. Crawl spaces, you know, there's. Uh, it's a little frustrating when you go into a house and there's a ton of personal things in the closet where the crawl space access panel is. Um, sometimes there's uh, in the garage where the electrical panel is, maybe there's a, a toolbox, a rolling toolbox, or even I've, I've seen uh, people build counters, uh, workspaces, mm. right in okay. front of the electrical panel. And I'm trying, I have to really finagle it to get it off, get off the cover. Um, so it would be really helpful if Every house. So crawl space doors, electrical panel. Attic access. Attic access, yeah. hot water tanks. Water heaters, furnace, HVAC systems. Go ahead, Shelly. Uh, well, I'll just say, I think that's such a big thing. You know, Tell us your story. Oh, I've got so many. But it's have, have, have it so that the home inspector can have access to what he needs and never, ever, ever turn off the utilities. 
when you list that home and it, if, it's, if it's vacant, sell or keep the utilities on. You can cancel garbage, but we need water, we need electric, if there's gas, we need gas, so that the home inspector can do a good job. Otherwise, it will cause delays and it just tends to snowball issues at that point. It's, it's so huge. Please keep the utilities on. Before we filmed this video, Pretty Shelley nice. told the war story about an inspection that she was there for where the seller had left the scary dog in the garage and said, do not open the garage door, dog inside, which made it really tough for the inspector to get in to inspect the electrical panel yeah. and the furnace and the, All so that. don't do that. Don't Sellers, do that. don't do that. Okay, let's wrap up this video. Um, I'd like you to tell me your, uh, I've had, okay, let me back up. Form 35 says, the inspection contingency says, that the buyer has the right to bring their, their original home inspector back into the home after the seller has done the work orders that the seller agreed to, to pro provide, the, work, the repairs, so that the inspector can inspect the seller's repairs. Are you ever asked to do that? Often, quite often, as a matter of fact. So uh, as Shelley mentioned, if the utilities aren't on, that's one reason for a reinspect, and it's unfortunate. And I'll sometimes tell the the client and the broker, I said maybe you can get the seller to pay for this since they were the ones who were supposed to have all the utilities on. So there's that type of reinspection. But then also after repairs are completed, I will go back to make sure they were done according to current building standards. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Uh, if it doesn't look like a sufficient repair, I'll talk to the client and the broker and I'll say, hey, maybe ask the seller for an invoice, see who did this, make sure it was a licensed contractor that actually did it. In that case, I often, I, I'm always looking out for my client's best interests and I will call that contractor and discuss it with them and oh. see what they have to say. Maybe they know something I don't, I don't know everything. Um, I know a lot about a lot of things, but I certainly don't know everything about everything. Not even close. So uh, I'm always happy to call and speak with a contractor and you know, if they're licensed and bonded, that's a good sign. But then you go back and ask the seller for an invoice, oh, I did it myself. Well, I'm sorry to say, but that's not a sufficient. It looks like you did it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not sufficient. So then you, know, you have to go back and either do it again ha or have a licensed contractor do it, which is how it should be done in the first place. Yeah, and and that reinspection language is powerful in the Form 35 because buyer can avoid closing, lawfully avoid closing, if buyer's inspector doesn't approve the work that was done. It's a powerful and, provision. And that being said, I, I suspect a lot of brokers in their 35R, they just copy and paste things out of my report, which I think is preferable because in my comments I always say by a licensed qualified contractor but if you're not doing that just always make sure that you're asking for the repairs to be done by a licensed qualified yeah. contractor. The forms now discourage brokers from cutting and pasting from reports like that oh. but you're right that uh, the form itself says that that the work has to be performed in a commercially reasonable manner, which for many people would in, would imply that, but I'm, I'm also an advocate of using those specific words, licensed and bonded contractor to do the work, it, when that's called for. Anything else? No, he's covered it very, very well. Yeah, Brad, thank yeah. you, that was great. My Appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you for having me.
If you have questions on this topic or any other, log into WA, I guess it's more visiting than logging into, visit warealtor.org, click on the link for the legal hotline and ask me a question. Thank you for being a Washington Realtor member.